Welcome to Stories of Terra. My name is Guy Black, or Ravenhood on the interwebs, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Terra by Riot Games. The Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe filled with crackshot sheriffs, and each week we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Terra off of the Riot Games universe website. Think of it as an audiobook of league stories and lore. And in keeping with our arcane release theme, this week's story is Caitlin, the Sheriff of Piltover. But keep your eye out for a special bonus episode segment that I'm going to be releasing right after this and then each subsequent Wednesday for the next couple weeks. A special bonus series themed after the new game available on Switch and Steam and other platforms, hashtag not sponsored, called Ruined King. So if Bilgewater is more of your jam, check out the mini-series that we'll be releasing over the next couple weeks. And now, introducing Caitlin, the Sheriff of Piltover. To be the best hunter, you have to be able to think like your prey. Renowned as its finest peacekeeper, Caitlin is also Piltover's best shot at ridding the city of its elusive criminal elements. She's often paired with Vi, acting as a cool counterpoint to her partner's more impetuous nature. Even though she carries a -a one-of-a-kind Hextech rifle, Caitlin's most powerful weapon is her superior intellect, allowing her to lay elaborate traps for any lawbreakers foolish enough to operate in the City of Progress. And now to the biography of Caitlin. Born into a wealthy and influential merchant clan, Caitlin Kiraman swiftly learned the social graces of life in Piltover, but preferred to spend her time in the wilder lands outside of it. Equally adept at mingling with the money to lead in the city of progress or stalking a deer through the mud of the forest, she could confidently track a bird on the wing over the merchant districts, or put a shot through the eye of a hare at a hundred paces with her father's repeater musket. Caitlin's greatest assets, however, were her intelligence and willingness to learn from her parents, who reinforced her understanding of right and wrong, even within a life of comfort and privilege. Her mother was one of the highest comptrollers in Clan Kiraman, and would always warn Caitlin of Piltover's seductions and its gilded promises that could harden the kindest heart. At first, Caitlin paid little heed. To her, Piltover was a place of beauty and order that she cherished after each trip into the wild. All that was to change one progress day, some years later. Caitlin returned to find her home ransacked and empty, The family retainers were all dead, and there was no trace of her parents. Caitlin secured the house and immediately set out to find them. Tracking within the confines of a city was very difficult from hunting in the wild, but one by one, Caitlin located the thugs who had invaded her family home. The trail eventually led her to a hidden safe house, where her mother and father were being tortured for information. She rescued them under the cover of darkness and alerted the Piltover Wardens, Though not one of the kidnappers they arrested knew the identity of the individual who had hired them, only a proxy with the initial C. Caitlin and her parents began to rebuild their lives, but something fundamental had changed. 
Her mother, in particular, could no longer face the politics and duplicity of clan life and gave up her prestigious role, leaving something of a vacuum in the Kiraman leadership. And though she loved her parents dearly, Caitlin had no desire to take her mother's place, nor to learn her father's trade as an artificer. Instead, her focus turned towards breaking through the web of intrigue surrounding the mysterious sea. Utilizing her hunting skills, she established herself as a private investigator and quickly made a name for herself as someone who could find anything or anyone. In recognition of her self-made success, Caitlin's parents crafted her a Hextech rifle of exquisite artifice, with greater accuracy than any musket. The weapon could take a variety of specialized shells and be easily modified in the field. After a particularly traumatic case involving a missing Hextech device and a series of child abductions, Caitlin was summoned by the wardens. She had been recommended by one of their number who had also developed something of an affinity for stranger cases, and their battle with a host of rogue chimerics in the employ of a lunatic chem researcher driven mad by his own concoctions led her to being offered a formal position as a sheriff. At first, Caitlin refused, but eventually came to realize that the warden's resources could potentially get her closer to discovering the true identity of C. Caitlin has since become a highly respected officer within the ranks of the Wardens, always striving to make the City of Progress a better and safer place. She recently partnered with a new recruit from Zaun, the brash and reckless Vi. How such an unlikely pairing came about, and has been proven so effective, is the subject of wild rumor and tavern speculation among their fellow Wardens, as well as those they haul away to jail. What Caitlin doesn't know, however, is that C is also keeping tabs on her, especially as her investigations are bringing her even closer to the truth. Again, I'm not entirely sure if you're watching the Arcane series... Hi, I have a cat. Can you tell? Her name is Luna. Sorry, if you guys don't know or aren't already watching the Arcane series on Netflix, I don't know how much the lore between that and the universe is going to sync up. I'm actually really curious and have loved, absolutely loved the series in general. So I recommend it, but we're going to take 30 seconds. You can count them. We're going to cut to a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back with Caitlin's story. All right, and I just want to remind you guys once more, in honor of the Ruined King release, I'm doing a special bonus series where I read some of the background to the actual narrative events of the Ruined King game. So if that piques your fancy, then keep your eye out for episodes I release. I'm going to release one with this one, and then every Wednesday for a couple weeks, because we got some nice long stories. All right, and now for the story of Caitlin, titled The Thrill of the Chase. Doesn't have an author listed on the universe, um, so it's not mine, it's the universe's. Even three bells after the sun gate had closed, Piltover was still full of life. Life that was currently getting in her way. Caitlin sprinted down Mainspring Crescent, weaving a path between midnight revelers strolling down the fashionable promenade of cafes and bistros. The supper clubs were emptying, as were the nearby theaters inside the Drawsmith Arcade. 
so this street was going to get a whole lot busier. If they didn't catch up to Devaki soon, they were going to lose him. Are you see him? shouted Mohan from behind. If I could see him, I'd already be drawing a bead on him. The Hextech rifle slung over Caitlin's shoulder was loaded and ready to shoot, but she needed a target, and Devaki was more nimble than a spooked doe. He'd robbed three clan workshops that they knew of in the last five weeks, and Caitlin had him pegged for two others. Working a hunch that something big was in the works, she and Mohan had been keeping watch on one of the House Marici's workshops, and sure enough, Devaki had shown. Though they hadn't known it until the city lighters had worked their way down the street to ignite the glow lamps, and Caitlin caught his reflection in the glass of the cafe across the street. Devaki had seen her in the same instant, and took to his heels like a startled wharf rat. Caitlin skidded to a halt at the next junction. The caged flames atop the fluted lamp posts bathed the dozen of surprised people staring at her with a warm amber light. Her pale blue eyes darted from person to person, seeking Devaki's distinctive silhouette. A young man crossed the street toward her, his cheeks ruddy with a night's enjoyment. He waved at her. Are you looking for a man on the run? He asked. Fellow with a big hat? Yes, said Caitlin. You saw him. Where did he go? The young man pointed left and said, down that way, that way, a good club. She followed his gaze and saw cheering theater goers spilling from the Drawsmith Arcade, a vaulted structure of colored glass and ironwork columns. They mingled with the stall holders selling refreshments and promenade girls looking for a wealthy mark. Mohan finally caught up to her, sweating and breathing hard. He bent at the waist and propped himself up with his palms on his knees. His blue uniform coat was askew and his hat tipped back over his head. Figures he'd try to lose himself in the crowd, he said between gulps of air. Caitlin took a moment to study their public-spirited helper. His clothes were finely tailored and must have once cost him a pretty penny, but the cuffs were frayed and the elbows worn. Her eyes narrowed as she took in last season's colors and a collar that hadn't been in style for a year. Wealthy, but down on his luck. Mohan turned toward the busy street and said, Come on, Caitlin. Let's go, or we'll lose him. Caitlin dropped to one knee to look at the street from a different perspective. The cobbles were slick from the evening rain and were well-trodden. From this angle, she saw the scuffs of heel marks on a stone that only a running man would leave. But they weren't heading left, they were heading right. How much did Devaki give you to tell us that? said Caitlin to the unfashionably dressed young man. If it was less than a gold hex, you were swindled. The young man put his hands up and said, it was, huh, it was five, actually, before turning tail and running toward the crowds with a laugh. <laughs> what the? said Mohan as Caitlin sprinted in the opposite direction. She'd lost valuable seconds, but knew exactly where Devaki was going now. She soon left Mohan behind, her sometime partner a little too fond of the sugared pastries the district inspector's wife made for her husband's officers. Caitlin ran a winding path through the city, along seldom-traveled alleyways and crooked paths between the gables of tall, brick-fronted warehouses. 
She cut across busy streets, drawing cries of annoyance from those she barged out of her way. The closer she came to the great canyon bisecting Piltover, the narrower the streets became. But she was betting she knew the shortcuts of Piltover better than Devaki. After a dozen twists and turns, she emerged onto a crooked street of undulating cobbles that followed the jagged line of the cliff, known locally as Drop Street, thanks to the wheezing hexdraulic conveyor at the end that ran late into the night. It was deep in shadow. The iron-framed cabin hadn't opened yet. The lozenge-pattered grill still in the closed position. A group of 15 Zonites, a great many of whom were intoxicated, gathered around the ticket booth. None of them were the man Caitlin was looking for. She turned, dropped to a crouch, resting the barrel of her rifle on a packing crate bearing the brand of Clan Medarda. Stolen property, no doubt, but she didn't have time to check out. Caitlin thumbed the rifle's primer switch to the upright position. A gentle hum built within the breech as she worked the action to ready a shot. She pulled the butt of the rifle hard against her shoulder and slowed her breathing. Her cheek pressed into the walnut stock as she closed one eye and took aim through the crystalline lenses. She didn't have long to wait. Devaki swung around the corner, his long coat billowing out behind him and his hat a tall silhouette. He appeared to be in no hurry, but then he believed he had shed his pursuers. He held a heavy brass-cornered case in his metal-clawed hand, a crude thing Vi said he'd had done at one of the Zahn ask-no-questions augmentation parlors when he was a foolish youth. Caitlin focused her aim on the pneumatic monstrosity and squeezed the trigger. A searing flash of orange-red exploded from the weapon's muzzle, and Devaki's hand vanished in a pinpoint blast. He cried out and fell back, his hat toppling from his head as the case fell to the ground. Devaki looked up, his eyes widening in pain and surprise as he saw Caitlin. He turned to run, but Caitlin had been waiting for that. She toggled the thumb switch on the breech and pulled the trigger again. This time, the beam struck Devaki in the back and exploded in a web of crackling energy. Devaki's back arched as he fell, twitching, to the ground. Caitlin powered down her rifle and slung it over her shoulder as she walked towards the fallen Devaki. The effects of the Electronet were dimming, but he wouldn't be getting up anytime soon. Caitlin bent to retrieve the Casey drop and shook her head with a tut-tut sound. Huh, how? said Devaki, through the spasms racking his body. How did I know where you were headed? asked Caitlin. Devaki nodded, the movement jerky and forced. Your previous thefts were meaningless in themselves, but when I looked at them as part of a larger scheme, it seemed that you were gathering components to build a version of Vishla's Hexlean Cavalier, said Caitlin. She knelt beside Devaki to place a hand on his rigid body. And, as we all know, that weapon was outlawed as being too dangerous, wasn't it? No one in Piltover would dare touch that kind of banned hex, but someone, mm, maybe in Noxus? They'd pay handsomely for that, I imagine. But the only place you could get something like that out of the city is through one of Zahn's less reputable smugglers. This is the only quick route down into Zahn that's still running at this time of night. Once I saw you weren't going to try and hide out in Piltover, all I had to do was to try and get to the conveyor before you and wait. So... You and I are going to have a long talk, and you're going to tell me who you're working for. 
Devaki didn't answer. Caitlin grinned as she reached over his prone body. Nice hat, she said. Well, clearly, I don't read these stories before I record them because this, chronologically, seems to take place before last week's Vi story. Well, thanks again for joining me on this week's episode of Stories of Rune Terra. Keep your eye out for the bonus episodes I'll be releasing. The stories we're going to be reading, first ones are going to be a series called Shadow and Fortune by Graham McNeil. And then we're going to be reading Burning Tides by Scott Hawks, George Stick. Anthony Reynolds and John O'Brien. Forgive me if I said that incorrectly, George. Correct me. I like to get names right. They're important. So thanks again for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you next week or on Wednesday. Hit me up on the internet. Message me. DM me. Tell me what you think. If you have a podcast that does rates or whatever, um, go ahead and give me a rating. I'll try and find it because I love feedback. And share this with your friends. Tell people about it. I would love to uh, share these stories with more folks, and it's, it's a blast. So we'll see you down the road. <laughs>